Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me is the sleepiest mailman that I know, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. Hey, sleepy mailman. <laughs> what if I uh, talked like Peter the whole episode? I would kick you off of my podcast, and I'd go online and find somebody else to do this with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't blame you for that. <laughs> There's no other option. If you talked like Peter, honestly, I probably <laughs> I, wouldn't even be your friend. I could I could barely do that for two sentences. And I was like, yeah, I got to stop. <laughs> oh, so how you been doing this week? I've do, been doing pretty good. Anything, anything interesting going on in your life this week? No, nothing interesting at all. Uh, mine either. My life is really pretty boring. <laughs> I know. I did start Diablo 3 up again, though. They just... Uh, did a new season, so I've been playing some of that instead of editing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why everything's been taking so long. How <laughs> would Diablo will do that? Yeah, it's a very it's a very loot loot grindy game. You know, I've I've told you this before. It when it first came out, it was I hated it. It was atrocious, and that's coming from somebody that loved Diablo too. So I had high expectations, probably like most people. Games. They're so much fun, and then Diablo three came around and. I was like, yay, you know, just like everybody else. And then I played it and I was like, this is garbage. It's not anywhere near as fun as Diablo 2. I'd rather be playing Diablo 2. Yeah. But you know what? They updated it. Blizzard did good. They updated it with the expansion and all that. And they fixed a lot of the issues I had with it. And I think it's a fun game again. Well, not again. I think it's a fun game now. It's not shit anymore. Right. It was shit. And then they fixed it. And now it's not shit. Which is good. Yeah. That's a happy ending. And then they ruined everything with that announcement <laughs> of the of the mobile game. I don't what were they thinking? <laughs> they were thinking everybody's got phones. Yeah. Do you not have phones? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he says it, but it's very degrading and I love it. <laughs> uh, so how's your week going? Did you do anything? I got the game Dreams on PS4. Have you heard that of that? that finally come out? It's in early access. It's been in early access for like a year now. <laughs> no, it's been in early access for like a month. That's it? I've been seeing shit about um, Dreams on Reddit for like the past year though, where people make other games in it and stuff. Yeah, people have been, like it's been around for a long time, but it's only been in open beta, I guess, mm -hmm. for a month or so. Oh, well, how is the game? It's interesting. The thing is, like, a lot of the things that people have made so far are, like, recreations of other things. Yeah, that's probably what I would try to do. Which is really fail. cool. It's really cool to, like, see it and be mm. just like, wow, I can't believe you're able to do this. Yeah. But also, at the end of the day, all that hard work you've put in, it's like, all right, this is a shittier version of... <laughs> this game yeah you know what though like I, I i can't really imagine it because i don't know how the engine is and everything maybe it is it just like a free download you can download no it's like you have to get into it oh fuck that <laughs> <laughs> what am i made of money no it reminds me of like uh mario maker mm -hmm. i don't know did you get did you have mario maker when it came yeah, out yeah i had that okay well the second one comes out later in june 
like the end of June or something. So I'm pretty excited for that. But it kind of reminds me of that because, you know, the first thing people do when they get Mario Maker is they just create their favorite levels from past Mario games. Mm-hmm. So it's, it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, there's a Mario 1-1 already in Dreams. You know what? I think in Mario Maker, the first level that you were forced to make was Mario 1-1. So. <laughs> you were forced. Yeah, like, okay, now put the blocks right here where we tell you, and now you just made Mario 1-1. I don't want to. You can't play if you don't do it. <laughs> well, are you ready to get into this episode? Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, Brandon and I just got done watching episode 9. The Tale of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. I thought this episode was uh, pretty okay, I guess. It was alright. Pretty okay, I guess. They should put on the back of the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, uh, it was like, run-of-the-mill, like, mid- middle of the road for me, I think. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. On the scale of Hungry Hounds, which is the official Are You Afraid of the Dark review system... Yeah, it's, I think we'll uh, probably use that forever. Pretty okay, I guess. Yeah. I think it's better than Hungry Hounds, but, like, not as good as Super Specs. Wow, okay. I don't know, because some of the acting in it was really good, and then also some of the acting in it was the worst I've seen so far in the series. Wow. Yeah, that's how All I right. felt. Yeah, we're going to have to get to that. Okay. So this episode starts with Frank in the Midnight Society. He's leading everyone to, like, something on the ground. And Eric says that it's a grave. And then David said, someone probably buried their dog there. And Frank says, no way. There's only one reason anyone would come out here and bury something. And it's to hide evidence. I bet my Michael Jordan rookie card, we find a maggot-ridden corpse. Really? And I'm like, yeah, right? I'm like, what the fuck, Frank? This is a kid's show. (laughs) Yeah, and he's got a Michael Jordan rookie card? Yeah, how did he get that shit? What the hell's he doing in the middle of these woods? Why has he got these bunch of loser friends? He could go sell that card and just be world like rich and famous. Yeah, shit. But I'm just like, this is um some visual shit, you know, like a maggot riddled corpse. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just like, hey guys, come see this bloody, bloated, black, yes. disgusting, <laughs> twisted. <laughs> this was a human once, and now it's dead children dead you know what dead means it means maggot riddled eaten everybody's corpse. gonna die including you and your mom and your dad <laughs> your dog <laughs> your teacher she's dead oh <laughs> uh, so the kids all gather around this shallow grave and they're just watching it for some reason like they have their flashlight like flickering all around it and they're just staring at a, a shallow grave I what are they gonna why. do if it is a grave they're like oh yeah there's dirt there somebody buried something there are they all gonna get shovels and dig it up and see what it is i don't know do you think that they would have enough sense of responsibility to call the police no if that was a shallow grave i would hope that they would find a new place to hold their meetings because not only then are there wolves in the in the woods but also there's a, somebody murdered somebody and buried their body in there yeah, if they're not moving because there's wolves circling the campfire, then they're certainly not going to move because there's a psycho killer. The Midnight Society moves for no one. They have their plot of lands picked out and they will not move for nothing. They were there first. Everybody else can <laughs> just get killed and <laughs> Yeah. 
So as they're just staring at this shallow grave, suddenly like a figure with a fake skull pops up out of it, ah! a Halloween decoration, which I thought it was going to be one of the kids. But then I was like, no, what kind of kid would be like, yes, Nickelodeon, bury me in a shallow grave just for a, a small prank at the beginning of an episode. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. I was hoping it was. I was hoping it was Kiki, but it's not. It's just like a prop and um, it pops up. And the kids all scream and they run away and Kiki pops out of a nearby bush and like gives Frank a high five and they say psych in unison. It was, it was really nineties. I loved it. Yeah. And also Kiki's in her sweet denim overalls again. <laughs> the Kiki and Frank pairing is like a very, like I can see them being friends. I could see it too. Yeah. They're both kind of jerks. Okay, so the scene shifts to the kids sitting down at the campfire and Kiki's saying how hilarious that was and she makes fun of Eric in particular, who was um, the most scared. And she's holding on to the skull that was um, on the um, figure that popped out of the dirt. And uh, she tosses it to her partner in crime, Frank, who gets scolded by Kristen because she says that that was a cruel and immature prank. Frank says sorry, but in like a sarcastic way. He's not sorry at all. No, he's not. He says so- sorry for adding a, a little fuel to the fire. Sorry. <laughs> Which I agree with Frank because these kids get, they gather around to be scared by scary stories. Yeah. The only thing he needs to be sorry for is adding fuel to the fire because the only thing that goes in that fire is monkey bone dust. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they don't have any accelerants except for monkey bone dust. <laughs> But, like, they go to these woods to get scared from scary stories, so he shouldn't have to apologize for scaring the kids before the story begins. That's what they're there for, so... Yeah, they don't seem to really want to be scared. No, it seems like they don't like They tell stories that aren't scary, and (laughs) anytime there is something scary, they're like, oh, fuck this. Fuck this shit, I'm out. I have (laughs) diarrhea. Bye. Kristen slaps the skull out of Frank's hand and it rolls over to Gary who picks it up and says, speaking of fuel to the fire, who's going tonight? And I was what like, what the hell? Constantly I'm questioning like how this club works. Yeah. And he's asking who's going. Wasn't it said in another episode that someone has to call a meeting when they have a story? I don't know. Well, it was said in the Twisted Claw, which was technically the pilot. So I don't know. Maybe they just decided to change the rules since then. Maybe we just kind of filled in the blanks and we were wrong. I don't know. Yeah, because it, it seems like, uh, you know, he's like, who's going tonight? And it's like, oh, the one who called you and said, hey, I've got a story. Let's have a meeting. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's the leader. So you would think that they would call him first. You know, I mean, they're right. probably using his backyard. They're not calling Kristen and telling her, hey, get Gary. No. I've got a story. <laughs> no, because she'd be late anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, Gary wants to know who's going to be telling the story. And with the setup that we had in the beginning, I was like, oh, it's probably going to be like a Frank or a Kiki story, right? Yeah, same. Because that's how it's been. But no, it's it's Betty Ann again. So we get Betty Ann. It's her third story, and it's her second in a row, mm-hmm. which is fine with me. I like Betty Ann, so it was all right. I, I wouldn't really care who tells the story anyway, but... No, but Betty Ann's my favorite. I like Betty Ann enough. At least they didn't have someone like, oh, Betty Ann, you haven't told the story in a while. (laughs) Yeah, but the beginning opening introduction thing, it didn't 
really have anything to do with the story and the people that nope. did it aren't even telling the story so why did and they most do of it? the pranks we've seen and things like that have been related to the story like here's something from the story attacking you or right. a camera taking pictures of you like cameras that aren't in the episode at all <laughs> i guess that was kind of similar but at least at least thematically it had something something in common this one doesn't have anything to do with the story yeah, they just showed up to the meeting early to play this dumb prank. Yeah. Like, I could understand it if there was a skull in the story, but there's not even a skull in the story. I don't know. Let's get into this, though. All right. Betty Ann grabs the uh, skull from Gary, and she says it's me. To which Eric says, oh, another gore fest. Even though in the last episode, which was a Betty Ann episode, he said her tales were kind of gross, but always have a happy ending. He didn't say they were a gore fest. No, he just makes up complaints about people. Yeah, he does. He's an idiot. <laughs> Nightly Neighbors was anything but a gore fest, so I have no idea what he was talking about at all. Both of her stories so far weren't yeah. gore fests. I mean, the goriest part about Tale of Laughing in the Dark was that pudding that got trapped on the ground. Oh, God. I know, putting flashbacks. So Betty Ann says, my story is ahead of a different sort, which she says because she's got the skull in her hands, I guess. Yeah, she just says some weird shit, like always. Uh, she says, an ancient wizard's good luck charm. Pick it up and the world can be your oyster. But let the holder beware, this charm may be more than you bargained for. I don't know about that one. It doesn't really have much to do with the story, I don't think. No. No, not at all. I don't know what she's talking about. The kids kind of look interested, but also annoyed at the same time. <laughs> then Betty Ann throws the monkey bone powder into the fire as the story begins. And we get Betty Ann's voice over a scene, uh, which looks like a library or like a Washington monument or something. I don't know. It, it turns out to be the front of a school. Um, she says that the story takes place today, but began years ago, which can be shown in writing since the screen shows us it's Linden High School in 1966. But I'm a little skeptical of it being in 1966 because there's none of that classical 1960s medieval music like in The Hungry Hounds. So yeah. is it really the 60s? So Betty Ann continues. She says, in fact, uh, it truly began centuries ago, but I'm jumping ahead. The camera moves into a school as there are just a bunch of lockers everywhere. Um, somebody's shadow can be seen running through the, the halls and through this really crappy room that just has a bunch of desks and chairs piled up everywhere. And finally, the person can be seen rummaging through their backpack for like a frying basket. One that you would yeah. put into a deep fryer. It's weird. And then it, it's got a stone, too, which... I guess turns out to be more of like a ball. So I only seen it as a stone at the beginning, but it's pretty big. So anyway, they lift up their sleeves and they have a few tattoos of cobra snakes. Really shitty looking tattoos. Yeah, they are. Like they, they were drawn on in Crayola marker or something. And the color reminds me of the 3D glasses that I had as a kid back in the very early 90s where like like Zeke wears in um, Zombies Ate My Neighbors with one side being blue and one side being red. Yeah. It kind of looked like if I put one of those glasses on that I would see it in 3D. Ooh, that would be a cool tattoo. Okay, so after we get shown the tattoo of the cobra snakes, they take out that stone, they put it in the fryer basket, and they lift it up and they sploosh it into some water that's in a hole at the school for some reason. So is that like their sewage drain? <laughs> I don't know. Gross. Like, what else would it be? The basement or wherever this takes place is just like a cavernous, yeah, like sewer system, like something out of the Ninja Turtles cartoon. 
or whatever. It's just like a giant system of pipes and like waterfalls. Yeah. And it's just. You know what it reminded me of? Yeah. Not right now, but later on in the episode when they revisit this area. Spoilers. I mean, it happens. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of some of the places that they show. It reminds me of the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, like man. the. Maybe that's what they're trying to emulate is like the pipe rooms of the school. Let me ask you. I've sure. never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. Is I thought that, you did. Is that entire movie shot in Dutch angles? Is that where it's like... Tilted. Tilted. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yes, because I don't, almost I don't remember. half of this episode is Dutch angles. It is. I thought they were doing some odd camera work here. There were some things that I liked, and I, I noted it down later too, but I don't know. They do do some... They do some interesting camera work in Nightmare on Elm Street, and you should watch it because it's a it's a good movie. Yeah, definitely. There's some fun deaths and stuff. I don't know there. if I've seen. Let's see, have I seen any? Of, I've seen New Nightmare. Yeah, I remember you telling me you've seen that one, but I guess I just automatically assumed that you'd seen the first one. No, I don't watch good movies. If you ever decide to watch them, the first one is good, the second one is shit, and the third one is good, and then the rest suck until New Nightmare. All right. So this person gets interrupted by some authoritative figures who are looking for them. Because at this point, we don't know if it's a man or a woman. And Mm. they wave their flashlight around and they say, oh, this way. And they run past the room that the person was in. And so the person that splooshed the fryer basket into the sewage system of the school slips by the dudes looking for him and then walks the other way. At this point, you kind of get like a little flash of the person. And it looks like a girl to me just with the hair. But it was the 90s. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Their shadow runs across the front of the school, and then we're transported to present day. Present day, 1992. Yeah. We pan around a science classroom where there's just a bunch of kids, and they're taking a test or whatever, and Betty Ann graces us with her voice again. She says that Dean Burkham was the kind of guy who blended in. He didn't have many friends, he didn't do sports, and he never joined anything. He just kind of was. And we're treated to some fun shots of all the kids that are taking the tests, like fading away and disappearing while Dean is just still sitting there staring at his paper or maybe he's sleeping. I'm not really sure. It's hard to tell. He then gets woken up or startled uh, when his fat teacher walks over and just throws her hand out demanding his test. It's, It's really stupid. She just startles him awake and then whips her hand over and just gimme gimme, you know. Stupid. I hate her. Uh, yeah. This teacher's the worst. She's a a lunch lady looking woman. Yeah, she does not look like a teacher. And this is chemistry. I was not buying her as a a chemistry teacher. I don't buy her as an actor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't buy her as a human being. (laughs) Betty Ann then says that he wasn't so great with schoolwork either, as Dean is shown handing in his paper to this fat woman. It sounds like he's not good at anything. His entire existence is pointless. That's so mean of you to say. Hey, Betty Ann said it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. He just kind of was, you know. He was just there wasting space and air and stuff for all the other more important children of the school. Yeah. So that fat teacher snatches that paper right out of this boy's hands. Yeah, it zooms right in on her face. It is terrifying. She's not a good looking woman. Uh, She looks it over. She shakes her head. and She says, Mr. Burkham. You are sinking to perdition. I don't know what perdition is, though. I, I don't know. Yeah, she probably could have boarded it a little more clearly. This is a children's show. She's like, I am very smart. I use big words that nobody knows. She could just say, like, you are failing. Yeah, because I'm sure Dean didn't know what the fuck she said either. No, with those grades? Of course not. 
The scene shifts to the hallway of lockers, and Betty Ann tells us that one of Dean's only friends is Alex. Uh, Though she was his complete opposite, they really connected and had a great friendship. But it was a friendship that was about to be put to the ultimate test. And here we can see Alex struggling with the lock on her locker. And Dean walks up to help her and they have a little banter. She says, uh, thanks, I'm useless today after he unlocks it. And Dean says, you, ha, I just had another Crenshaw chemistry disaster today. He says that he studied hard for this one, but he just can't get it. What do you think these two people connect on? Why are they friends? I just don't buy it. I don't know. Because Dean reminds me of Eric Matthews from Boy Meets World. That's what I think he looks like. Hmm, You're not wrong. I think I thought that back when I had seen this episode, you know, back in the day. Although it probably came before Boy Meets World. I don't remember. Yeah, I kind of got glimpses of this episode from my memories. But also I had no idea where it was going. So it was a surprise to me too. I don't know how they connect. Because you got Eric Matthews on one hand. And then Alex... There's nothing really distinct about Alex. I guess she would be like Dean's opposite, though. So she's smart and she's pretty. Yeah. I couldn't think of another fictional character to compare Alex to because she's just she's not. I don't want to say she's uninteresting because I liked her, but it's kind of like Amanda from Lonely Ghost where she's just kind of typical girl. She's just kind of there. Yeah. Even though she's. She's the hero of the story, kind of. Yeah, once again, you think the character they first introduce you to is the main character, but it's not. Yeah, especially when Betty Ann talks about him so much. Yeah. Like, he's the lovable loser. He can't do anything right, and you just know that he's going to get better, and he's going to save the day. You know, he's going to redeem himself, but he really doesn't. No. This is a, a theme for this show, is that they build up one character, and... Then they don't do anything with it, and then the side character becomes the main hero of the story. Except for Mary Beth, who ruined her life and everybody around her. Yeah, not so great with that one. No, she fucked up a bit. (laughs) So Alex tells Dean if he keeps thinking he can't catch a break, then he never will. To which Dean says, yeah, I know, I'm trying. So she tells him she has a feeling his luck is going to change soon. And he says, great, as long as it doesn't get any worse. (sighs) So the theme, like the main point of this is that Dean wants to become lucky, but you can't just change your luck. That's not how it works. That's not luck. Luck is luck. Yeah. Luck's not a thing anyway. So no, <laughs> I guess just you're stop right. being yeah. shit. Dean. Okay. If you failed your test, you can't say it was because you were unlucky. It's because you just stood there and yeah. like, went to sleep while the test was <laughs> going on. Miss Crenshaw is not like rolling a dice on all of his answers. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> snake eyes. Sorry, Dean. <laughs> Uh, natural one, Dean. You fucked up. <laughs> F. We switch to a scene in world culture class, as Betty Ann tells us. The camera sweeps over some random just tidbits of junk. It's got like a dead scorpion on a picture frame, a little bust of some, some woman, and some rubble from a building or something. I don't know. It's world culture. Just a bunch of crap. Just old stuff. This time in class, they have a special guest, an archaeologist named Dr. Oliver. Um... They don't ever show any other teachers, though, so I don't know. I'll get to it later. <laughs> mm-hmm. So an archaeologist named Dr. Oliver. And Dr. Oliver picks up a little sword artifact and tells us that archaeology is the study of historic or prehistoric people by analysis of their artifacts, scriptures, and monuments. And this is boring because we get a good look at the kids in the class and they all look both totally into it and bored out of their fucking minds. It's an incredible array of emotions. 
Dr. Oliver continues saying the work is often painstaking, but the results can take you on adventures that will stagger your imagination. Yeah. For instance, the high priest of Babylon used this golden dagger to cut out the hearts of slaves for their sacrifices. And the crowd almost looks interested. They give out like some moans or something. But I'm just thinking like, how the fuck does this bitch have this priceless dagger? And she's playing around with it like it's just like a butter knife. Yeah, she's just like some chick who goes around touring high schools and she's got the fucking diamonds of the pharaoh. She's got like the most priceless artifacts. And she's just waving them around, fucking probably dropping them on the ground. Like, whoops, (laughs) showing them off to, to high schoolers that could not give two shits. They don't fucking care. She puts the dagger back and grabs a bowl of salt, saying it was used as a weapon that was used to ward off evil, sort of like garlic was used for vampires. And then the kids giggle about that one for a second. Then she grabs this staff that's wrapped up in this purple cloth. And as she takes the cloth off, she says that this, this little prize was recently excavated from an ancient Babylonian sorcerer's temple. What I was thinking when she was talking about this is like, this is an archaeologist. Yeah. And she comes into high school and starts talking about vampires and sorcerers. Yes. Who let this woman in here? They should really check her credentials. If I had an archaeologist come into the school and she started talking about zombies and <laughs> Frankensteins, I'd be like, who are you? <laughs> Well, they don't have any teacher in this room. When they say special guest, do they just mean special substitute teacher? Because they don't have a teacher for this world culture class. There's nobody no. else. <laughs> the school's terrible. Miss <laughs> Crenshaw teaches all the classes at this school. She's the only teacher that we see in this whole episode. And that's what I have a problem with. Well, I mean, besides a couple other things, but... Yeah, I completely agree with you. Who the fuck is this woman talking about vampires being an yeah, archaeologist? She's just like bringing in Bigfoot <laughs> footprints and like UFO parts. <laughs> <laughs> she's got her doctorate written in crayon. <laughs> All right. So this lady takes out the staff and she unwraps it from the purple cloth. And this staff is the staff that Jafar uses in Aladdin. <laughs> yes. That's what this thing is. It is. Aladdin came out like when the did, same when year. When did Aladdin come out? Yeah. Like 1991, <laughs> I believe. So they saw a trailer for that and said, make me one of those. I mean, it's stupider. It has this big gaping open mouth and it looks stupid. It looks like a like a frog's mouth. The quality of it is really shitty when it's like close-ups of it. Yeah. Like it looks like it's just like made out of Play-Doh. And yeah, like paper really mache. Really sloppy. It looks like garbage. It doesn't look like it was formed out of solid gold. No, no not at all. This is seriously the staff that Jafar uses in Aladdin, though. It's, it's yes, a complete it ripoff. Is, it is that. Uh, and at this point, I didn't remember what this staff does, but I was not surprised if it had the same abilities as Jafar's staff, which, which it kind of does. Yeah. Uh, Alex asks if this thing belonged to a sorcerer, which Dr. Oliver no, just said. it belonged said. to Jafar. <laughs> she just said that it did. <laughs> yeah, nobody's listening. <laughs> oh, I guess, I guess not. Everybody's checked out. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Oliver says the inscriptions on the staff say that it belonged to the sorcerer Goth, a particularly nasty magician who enslaved thousands to do his evil bidding. Mm-hmm. The writings say following Goth will bring you incredible fortune and good luck. Um, I don't know, lady. It kind of sounds like that goth is a one-way ticket to becoming a slave, but who am I? The things that you just said are pretty contradictory. 
That sounds like good luck to me. Slavery? Mm-mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the life. <laughs> <laughs> Crossing Goth will lead to your destruction. Dean looks pretty intrigued by all this because I think he heard that you will get good luck from this, and that's what he wants. Yeah, he heard luck and his ears perked right up. Yeah, because that's what he's he like, thinks. what? Slave? Luck? He's not okay with doing the work himself. He wants luck. He wants things to be handed to him. Yeah. He did say he tried on that test, though. Yeah, we've seen him try. He's real hard. just bad at it. He didn't even pick up his pencil. He was just like laying there on his hands, staring at the test. He just disintegrated all his classmates. <laughs> he snapped his fingers, <laughs> and everyone disappeared. <laughs> Dr. Oliver continues by ruining everything. She says that, but we don't believe in such silly things today, now do we? And Dean looks really pissed about that because he wants that sweet luck. (laughs) (laughs) He needs it. The scene changes back to the hallway as the bell rings. Alex and Dean walk out of the classroom and Alex is mocking Dr. Oliver saying who would believe that shit. And Dean just says that he thought it was kind of cool. And this is where I thought Betty Ann was right because they are total opposites. Mm-hmm. Alex is like, give me a break. She's just trying to make her boring ass job sound more interesting. And then she says she's got to go to the library and asks if Dean wants to come. And he says, nope, I got better things to do. And the team splits and Dean walks right back into that classroom and looks over Dr. Oliver's shit. Um, Dr. Oliver pops out and they have a little one-on-one session because Dean's interests have peaked. She says unlocking the secrets of ancient civilizations has become a passion of hers. Dean thinks that's pretty cool, so he continues checking things out. Dr. Oliver says maybe she found another confidant, and that's what she's here for, which seems a little ominous. Um, but at, at this point, I think she's she's the better of the two teachers that we've seen so far, even though she's just a special guest. Um, yeah, I guess. She's like telling him to look at all the stuff and she says, don't be afraid to touch in a really suggestive manner. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. She does. (laughs) Uh, Dean does just that, though, because Dr. Oliver walks away for a second and he goes, Dean goes straight up to that Cobra staff. He picks it up and he like lifts it up to his face and above and looks into its eyes, which glow red. And he just keeps staring into it for some reason. And then the scene just changes and we're walking down the hall. And I was like, yeah, this is Jafar staff. He just got mind controlled. What else could it fucking be? You know? Yeah. Just instant. Yeah. Like he, it happens so quickly too. It's like, he's like super weak of will or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's like, ooh, what's this? Oh, gotta do bidding for goth. <laughs> yes. So he's walking down the hallway. He reaches for a lock on a door and just, like, somehow opens it with no problem. He doesn't use a key or anything. He just, like, grabs it and pulls down on it, and then it's opened. Yeah, I thought that was weird. <sighs> they never explain it, though. He doesn't get any powers or anything. I mean, not really. No. I don't know what it is. He can just open things. He's basically like Emma from Nightly Neighbors, like master of unlocking things. That's just Betty Ann. Like Betty Ann's like, mm, my main characters, they're always good at breaking into shit. So uh, Dean opens up the, the door and it takes him down some stairs. And obviously at this point, he's going to that fryer basket. You know, he wants into that, into that sewage of the school. Yum. Yeah, who doesn't though, right? He walks past the same stuff that the person did in the opening, you know, the the room with all the fucking chairs and shit everywhere that aren't dusty or anything. Just nobody touched it yet. It's still like perfectly the way it was. I don't know. He wa- he makes his way into the room with that sewage pool of water in it. He grabs the chain, 
He starts lifting up the fryer basket with the stone in there, uh, which has been sitting in sewage for like 25 years or whatever, but who, who knows? We don't even get a moment to comprehend what's happening because then the scene shifts and we're back in that fat bitch's chemistry class and fat bitch don't look too happy about it. Somehow it's test day again. We just had a test it's like just yesterday. always tests. Always. All she does is test her children. She's got 15 classes to teach that day. She doesn't have time to stand in front of the room and give lectures. No. She just gives them a test and moves on to the next class. She's like, look, I've got to go teach math, then history, <laughs> then social studies. <laughs> That's all she does. She just pops into the room, <laughs> says, here's your test, and then runs to her next class to go <laughs> teach that. <laughs> she huffs and puffs to the next class. <laughs> oh, so it's test day again and we're showing dean who's sporting an all black long sleeve shirt mm-hmm. that's how you know the darkness has taken over him everyone around him starts the test but dean just grabs the paper and walks up to the teacher and hands her the test she looks at it she gets up and she said is this supposed to be funny because the test is completely blank but obviously it's going to be blank she just handed the test out and he got up and gave it back to her like she studied that paper for a good like three seconds before getting up and being like is this possibly funny mr mr dean i don't remember your last name (laughs) it was stupid dean looks her in the eyes and says is there a problem miss crenshaw And the fat bitch gets like intimidated and she just, she just says, uh, no, no problem. Thank you, Mr. Burkham. And she puts the test down and she grades it as an A plus. Such a baller move. Yeah, I guess. So is this trying to tell us that he has become Jafar's staff, that he can now mind control people? I don't know. I guess. Because at first I thought he was just being like intimidated. You know, he's got like this newfound sense of self-worth and and jerkiness he's he's essentially like transcended and become the douchebag friend right no like just staring at miss crenshaw has (laughs) turned her into a disciple of goth yeah i think that's what it's trying to tell us which spoilers she does become a disciple of goth and i must i I guess this is just showing us when it happened i don't know i don't fucking know some of the stuff in this episode does miss crenshaw then have the ability to stare at people and turn them i don't know like is it just constantly everyone can infect everyone else with goth or as dean being the sorcerer's apprentice only he has the ability i would think that's what it is is that only he has the ability but doesn't make any sense no the scene the scene switches again and at this point i'm like god damn this episode is going to give me fucking whiplash because it's scenes are just like lightning fast it's just like next scene next scene next scene it's ridiculous dutch angle dutch angle <laughs> yes, yes. hey there everybody Cortland here your good buddy and your chemistry partner Thank you so much for taking a listen to our latest episode covering the tale of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. This episode so far has been my favorite to record and edit, and I really hope that all of you are enjoying it just as much. If you have any questions about our podcast or any stories you'd like to share, we'd love to hear them. We plan on doing a mini Ask Me Anything section during our season finale episode, and while we've gotten a great turnout of questions so far, we'd always be happy to have some more. If you have any questions for either one of us, or even better, both of us, Send them to us through email, privateislandpresents at gmail.com. 
DM them to us on Twitter at PRVT Island or send us a message on Instagram at Private Island Presents. If you're loving the podcast and you know someone who you think would love it too, let them know about it. It's an easy and effective way for our podcast to grow. Brandon and I have some excellent ideas we'd love to implement and we're looking forward to having a larger audience to roll out these ideas. Another quick and easy way to show a podcast creator that you care is by giving them a five-star review on iTunes. Nothing would make a creator happier than seeing a new five-star review. And trust me, I just recently got one and I was so happy and excited. I'd also like to let you know that we are part of an exciting podcast community on Discord. The support indie podcast server for Discord. Whether you're a podcast creator like we are, or a listener looking for some new fun indie shows to listen to, I invite you to come in and check it out. There's a ton of excellent shows out there and you can connect with the creators all in one place. If audio drama is your thing, check out Girl in Space, Oz9, The Grey Rooms, Ninth World Journal, or any of the other audio drama rooms in the Discord channel. Honestly, there's something for everyone. If audio drama is not your thing, this Discord server still has you covered. It's got D&D Character Lab, How Are You Now, The Letter Kenny Podcast, Podcast Junkie, Three Spooked Girls, The Good Morning Guys. It's got it all, guys. So I'll leave a link in the description of the episode so you can take a look for yourselves. As always, I'd like to give a special thank you to All Hail the Badger for his work on the music for our podcast and to Brandon for his artwork. Uh, Also, I'd like to apologize for accidentally calling Goth Garth. My bad. For now, I'll let you get back to the episode and I'll talk to you all again on June 24th for our 10th episode covering the tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. Goodbye, everybody. Dean is strolling down the stairs as Alex catches up to him and she asks him, what the fuck was that all about? Why didn't you take that test? And he says, I did take it. I aced it. She doesn't believe him, which makes total sense. Uh, but at the bottom of the stairs, he whips around to look at her and says, what's the matter? Don't think I can ace a test. Or maybe you think I'm useless just like everybody else. And he starts advancing on her and she's backing up uh, saying like, what? What's wrong with you? And once she's in the corner, he says, nothing's wrong with me. Everything is finally right. And I'm going to prove to everybody that I'm not a loser. They think I am. Um, It's a little bit creepy the way that he corners his best friend like that. Yeah. So let me get this straight. Okay. Dean's plan to become cool. Yes. And accepted in school is to pass chemistry. That's his idea of being cool. All they have for classes is chemistry and world culture. And world culture doesn't even have a teacher. It has a special guest. That's He just wants to show everybody that he's not useless. And the best way to start that is to cheat and get perfect grades in chemistry. Betty Ann tells us that there was something wrong with Dean and Alex knew it. He wouldn't talk to her and started hanging with a whole new group of kids. Then one day things took a very strange turn. How long time-wise do you think has passed now? A week? A week. Okay, let's remember that. (laughs) Okay. So now we're back in chemistry class again, and Alex walks in alone, she unpacks her bags, and then Dean walks in with his new black leather coat. And I'm like, okay, this is starting to turn into some Spider-Man 3 kind of shit, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. If I had to sum up this story, uh, it would be Jafar from Aladdin plus Spider-Man 3. Mix those two together and you're not far off, yeah. No, that's the story. I mean, there's a a lot of stuff that happens that's just pointless, but that's the story. Alex watches as Dean um, looks into a cabinet and then he steals some chemicals and he runs away as she's calling out to him. She looks into the cabinet to see what he stole, which turns out to be 
my mycuric acid is that what it was this sounds rightish yeah i looked it up and it's really it's real and it's ba- it's basically it's just hydrochloric acid so i want to call it hydrochloric but i'm i'm gonna call it mycuric because that's what they say in the show alex audibly wonders to herself what he would want with that acid instead of what the fuck <laughs> obviously he wants it to melt stuff duh he's a fucking like teenage boy he was gonna melt some shit with some acid That'd be amazing. There's so many uses uses for acid. I know. You could melt a whole dead body. You could fucking pour it on some ants. You could summon goth. You know, anything. A <laughs> hundred and one <laughs> ways to use acid. <laughs> yes. Also, at this point, I'm like, shouldn't there be a fucking lock on this cabinet of acid? You'd think so. I mean, I guess maybe there could have been and Dean broke it open, but I don't. they didn't show that, so... Or maybe there's no teachers in this school and no one is responsible for anything. (laughs) That's probably the likely answer. Um, Alex just walks away from the cabinet. We assume to go follow her friend. And Dean is walking through the hallways to the door that he went down earlier, leads down to the sewage pit. Um, Alex is clearly following him. Uh, They go down the stairs and we see all the random shit. The school hides in the basement again. And Alex stumbles into a secret meeting being held by Dean to a bunch of other students. And they're all in black leather. Were they all in black leather coats? I think they were. They're all in black. Okay, so they're all in black. Hopefully they were in black leather coats. And if so, who the fuck bought those? Goth didn't. (laughs) Who paid for all those black leather coats? Yeah, Goth ain't giving them shit. Uh, The Cobra staff is there too. And Dean says some bullshit and sprinkles down some acid on a plant and calls it nightshade. Which, uh, I don't know if he says it at this point, but it's belladonna leaves. And I looked it up and those are nightshade. So he throws that down and says that it creates some mystic vapors. <laughs> so these kids are just hotboxing some mystic vapors in the school basement. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, the whole thing's dumb. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's such a stretch. I don't get it. There could have been any other way to summon goth, <laughs> but no, you have to mix acid with nightshade to create mystic vapors. <sighs> so no, they're not hotboxing mystic vapors. <laughs> Dean says the return of Garth is at hand as he stares into the vapors. And then Alex does the generic shit where she accidentally drops her bag or something on the ground and they do the classic like getting found while you're supposed to be hiding dean snaps his head in her direction and then commands his small student army to go get her and they get up out of their chairs and then they do that so it's showing that dean has control over the this these kids are the part that i don't get with all this is like he's got control of all of these random kids why didn't he take control of alex first wouldn't that make the most sense yeah he shows later that he he at least has enough presence of mind to still think of her as a friend and not want to just attack her, I guess. Yeah, you're right. That does happen. Okay, so maybe he's still Dean in there, but also he has control of the student body. Yes, he has control of Miss Crenshaw. He's got all of the staff. <laughs> all of the students, all of the staff. They're all his. Alex immediately gives all those kids the slip and doubles back toward Dean. And this was the part where she ran through like the area with pipes that reminded me of the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the end of Portal. Yeah, you're right. It did It did look like that too. So Alex gives these kids the slip, doubles back towards Dean, who has taken the stone from the fryer basket out of a leather pouch. Um, 
which I don't know where they got the leather pouch because I'm pretty sure in 1966, the person just put the stone in the fry basket, but whatever. He slides the stone, which is uh, more of a ball, into the mouth of the snake staff, and its eyes and the stone ball glow red. Uh, Alex doesn't like the look of that as she like watches on. She's just like getting more and more pissed. And Dean gets on his knees and says, Welcome, Goth, ruler of the nether realms. As a face can be seen in the mystic vapors. It's like a floating head. Yeah. He's like a lame looking Zordon from Power Rangers, motherfucker. Yeah. It's... He's like slaves. <laughs> well, you know what? You got a bunch of teenagers with attitude. I need so... high schoolers with attitude. Goth says... This is where the episode gets really wordy. It's when... When Goth is introduced, he talks a lot. Goth says, I have waited centuries for an apprentice such as you, young one. To which Dean responds, The acolytes have been gathered. We are ready. Then Goth says, There is one final task that needs to be performed before I am freed from this infernal dimension of darkness. And the task is that he has to prepare the cauldron and unleash the mystic vapors before the mood rises tonight. Um... Did he just did that? Did he not? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's he what he just, just did. did. Get the hell out of there, God! <laughs> get, get out of your infernal dimension. Of <laughs> yeah, you're. We're done. <laughs> Come take over Earth. We've did it. Yeah, he just made the Mystic Vapors. <laughs> I don't know, it was stupid. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Goth tells him that if he does this, then he gets everything he wants, and Goth himself gets all of the powers of the universe. And then they laugh a what bunch. What does Dean want? Is Goth gonna do his homework for him? He wants luck. <laughs> I think he wants what he has right now, which is being a badass. Alright, well. And also successful, I guess. He doesn't want to do any of his homework. He wants to just intimidate Miss Crenshaw day after day with every assignment to get a A+. So Alex knocks over some shit again. And Goth looks over her way, but he can't move his head because he's just a floating holographic head. So he just, like, looks her way with his eyes. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Tells Dean to stop her. <laughs> so Alex is running back up the stairs, through the alleyway, and into a classroom calling for Dr. Oliver. But fat bitch Miss Crenshaw walks out and says she's gone. She says that Dr. Oliver left yesterday. And that's why I asked you how long do you think it's been? You think it's been a week? Because I agree with that. What kind of special guest is there for a whole fucking week? That's stupid. They don't have anyone else. They needed her. <laughs> well, Miss Crenshaw says that she went off to another school to do the same thing. You know, talk about her Babylonian artifacts or whatever. Yes, talk about leprechauns and ghosts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Tooth Fairy and fucking <laughs> Santa Claus. You know, archaeology stuff. Yeah, yeah. classic archaeology stuff. <laughs> Fatty asks Alex if there's anything she can do for her. And Alex sits down and explains to the Crenshaw that something weird's going on. And it has to do with that scepter thing that Miss Oliver brought. That it's got Dean hypnotized or something. Miss Crenshaw just, just says, relax, child. There's no reason to be alarmed. And then she says, join us. Join Garth. And Alex runs away. And Fatty smiles and then laughs like Roseanne. <laughs> this, this is like one of the worst acted scenes I think I've ever seen in... My whole life. Is this the one you were talking about with the bad acting? Well, yeah. Dean also gives some very bad acting. But the way that she walks up to um, Alex, like, she smiles like she's fucked this scene up, like, multiple, multiple times. Like, <laughs> she's, 
she's like, like, like she bursts out laughing before she gets to the part where she's supposed to be laughing. And they just were like, okay, this is the best one. Crenshaw, you're fucking out of the show anyway. So we're just going to use this one. She's a bad actress and she should feel bad. <laughs> Alex books the fuck out of there and runs through the hallways of the school. But then she gets surrounded by just a, some classmates that are all dressed in black. And she walks through a door into the auditorium where Dean is sitting up on a stage. And he says, hello, Alex, don't be scared. It's only me. And Alex says, I am scared. What the fuck is going on around here? What are you doing? And Dean tells her that she called it. He finally got his luck. It changed. He isn't getting dumped on anymore. He's in charge and he likes it. Who is dumping on him? Nobody. Nobody (laughs) talks to him. Nobody talks except for him and Alex and Grinshaw. (laughs) None of the classmates talk at all. I don't think. I don't know. All of the classmates are stupid and I don't know. So who cares if you're getting dumped on or anything? His motivation is stupid. He says, Goth is giving me power and I'm using it to bring him back. And Alex says that Goth is a monster and Dean gets right up in her face and he does this cool, well, he like circles around her and it's got some pretty nice camera work where the camera like follows and it's, it's very fluid. It looks nice. Um, he tells her, well, look what Goth has done. I'm popular now and in charge. They take my orders, even the teachers. Alex tries to get Dean back on her side with some of that best friend love, you know, which should work. And it seems to work for a moment. He blinks a few times. So he says, you're my best friend and that's why I'm going to let you go. Now, don't get in my way. And he turns back towards her and says, it doesn't matter anyway because you're going to be one of us soon enough. Alex chases after Dean, but he's already in with his new bike gang buddies. <laughs> as they roll out of there on his their bicycles. On their intimidating looking bicycles. <laughs> He's like, come on, gang. We are the army of the evil nether realm. We're riding Schwins. <laughs> like they got a card in their spokes and stuff. They got Pee-wee's bike and they're like, oh, we're <laughs> evil. Uh, the next scene, it's night and Alex has somehow found where the biker gang kids hangout is. It doesn't say how that, she found it, but it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how she found it, but she did. Um, And they're moving this acid, right? But then she gets confronted by two of the kids and they take her to their leader. Of course she gets confronted. She either makes a sound or gets caught. She is the worst fucking eavesdropper ever. She is. She's not Harry at the spy because she gets caught. Definitely not. And taken over to Dean, who's dishing out orders to these kids um, until he's interrupted by Alex being dragged over. She asks again if he's crazy, and Dean says, I gave you one chance to escape. I won't give you another, even though he told her it didn't matter anyway, but meh. He tells his goons to put her in the van, which we never yeah, get to see the inside a of van? The How do they have a van? They're riding bikes around? <laughs> and they have a van? <laughs> yeah. Whose van is it? Is it Goth's? It's probably Miss Crenshaw's van. That's the only adult that's left in the story. That's true. <laughs> is it Goth's? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, we get a Midnight Society interlude where Frank says, Excellent, they're going to boil her and that stuff, referring to the acid. And Kiki says, What is it? Whatchamacallit acid? Normally I I mean I put down that that's typical stupid Kiki, but um I kind of agree with her. Like what what was that fucking acid again, Betty Ann? Yeah. She corrects it. She says my curic acid. Eric says he hates chemistry, even though you don't take chemistry until you're in high school and you're clearly in elementary school, but whatever. 
and Gary gets a clarification that the acid has to do with the mystic vapors. It combines with the belladonna leaves to make the mystic vapors, and Betty Ann says, maybe Alex's back might have been in a corner, but she was resourceful. And then we continue the story. She's not really that resourceful, though. No, she hasn't been shown to be. No, she's good at getting captured. That's not quite resourceful, though. She's good at getting chased. Yeah. So back in the story, we're showing a bunch of barrels with just a big old skull and crossbones on it. I'm assuming it's the acid in there. What else could it be? The student body goons are pushing them somewhere as Alex is being dragged along, uh, asking where the fuck we're going. And Dean says, there's a place in the school not many people know about. It's been closed off for more than 25 years. They say a girl went mad in there. She even broke into the school. The guards chased her all over. When they found her, she was down here totally out of her mind. The room has been sealed off ever since, until tonight, that is. The, he got the key from the security guard, who was one of them, even though we never see the security guard. It's the perfect place to make our cauldron of mystic vapors. Why? Uh, we have no idea. It's just a fucking empty pool, and they have, like, yeah. less than a gallon of acid. I was surprised when they were like, oh, there's this room they sealed off. I expected it to be, like, a little maintenance closet, but it's like a giant swimming pool. No school's just going to close that off and be like, nah, we don't want that. Uh, remember that, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they have to do this in an empty pool, but I'm not goth, so. I could do it in a bathtub. Yeah, right? Or the fact that they already did it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The kids walk in as Alex tries to tell Dean to stop. Dean sets the cobra receptor up again, placing the ball in its mouth. Um, it glows red. Dean jumps on a stage of sorts and says the time has come. First, we need the pathway. And then some some kids struggle to dump the acid barrels into the empty pool. There's two acid barrels. This is a gigantic swimming pool that's completely empty. So they put, like, nothing into it. Yeah, it's not even going to cover the bottom of the pool. Not at all. It's going to create a couple puddles. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But anyway, these kids are having a hard time with this, so Dean commands the two kids that are holding on to Alex to go and help out, which is complete rookie evil villain mistake. Um, but then Alex immediately tries to run away, but the door is locked, which I found that to be really odd behavior for Alex, because she's been pretty adamant about stopping Dean this whole time, but then she, for whatever reason, decides to just try to run away from this whole situation. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, it was really out of she character. Do she doesn't want to see the vapors. Who would really want to inhale vapors made from, from hydrochloric acid mixed with deadly nightshade? That cannot be good for your health. No, I can't imagine it's great for you. No, it's probably instant, like, fucking liquid, liquefied lungs or something. It's like mixing ammonium with bleach. Dean taunts her, saying that she's been so curious this whole time, I thought you'd want to stay for the main event. And then he commands his goons to open up the barrel and pour the acid in. He says some shit about how his master will be there soon. And then he grabs a trash bag that's full of these belladonna leaves um, and is about to throw them into the acid. But Alex runs over to the cobra scepter and says, Dean, stop it or I'll smash it. Um, and he says, too late. But she grabs the ball out of the cobra scepter and all of the slave kids just fall over, which doesn't make any sense to me. Why would they slump over when it was removed? Because it's most of the time it's not even in there in the first place. But he still had control over him. It doesn't make any sense. And the staff took control of Dean without the ball. Yeah, I don't get it. And why didn't Dean get slumped over like that? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Alex looks surprised at all this. And Dean says, I told you too late. I'm far too powerful now. 
And then he dumps the leaves into the acid and says, Mystic Vapors, I've done it. Rise, mighty goth. Your apprentice calls to you. His voice, like, gets deeper when he says that. Yeah. He's like, the vapors, I've done it. I'm, I'm like, dude, you've made these vapors before. Like, why are you so excited about that? I don't know. This is the first it time you've made make any sense. <laughs> You did this already. We've done this scene. Yes. You're just doing it in a bigger way, I guess, but... A stupider way. He had a cauldron. <laughs> Out of the Mystic Vapors, Goss' face can be seen, and he looks... I thought he looked kind of cool. He looks like Xerxes from 300. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He then says, <gasps> A bunch of shit that I didn't write down because I had no idea what he was said, and I was completely fucking checked out of this episode. So we're just going to grab the clip, and we're going to edit it in right here, okay? All right. <laughs> yeah. Alex is... <laughs> Alex is just kind of staring at him while he's talking about this, uh, backing up against the wall. And she says, no, go back and throws the ball into the mystic vapors, which uh, the vapors glow red for a second. And Dean is thrown back against a wall for some reason. And Goth points at Alex and says, you, you are the one who interferes. You must be eliminated. Um, Alex calls out to Dean for help. And Dean shakes his head and says, Alex, what's going on? So is Dean back to normal at this point? Uh, yes, I guess so. But okay. not all the way, because he tries running to Alex, but Goth points at him with his finger, and it immobilizes Dean, which he then tells Alex that he can't move. And I don't know why that is. I'm, I'm going to assume that there's still like a little bit of Goth's influence inside of Dean. Goth then floats up out of the Mystic Vapors and tells Alex how she should be honored to be the first victim of his reign. Dean tells Alex to use the chlorine. Oh, I forgot to mention that. There's a barrel of chlorine just sitting over there that Alex looked at for a second. Dean tells Alex to use the chlorine, so she runs over to a big old tub of the stuff while Goth tells her not to fear that the pain won't last long. And Dean tells Alex to pour the chlorine into the pool, so she opens the lid of this barrel of chlorine and dumps it into the empty pool. Even though, one, why is there chlorine there in an empty pool that hasn't been opened for 25-ish years? And number two, why was there only a half a barrel full of chlorine in there? That was like a dribble of chlorine doesn't make any sense that's why it was sitting there all that time there wasn't any in there so they were just like eh not taking care of that <laughs> let's just be lazy we'll just leave it here alex dumps in the chlorine and goth mocks her at first saying Your human science has no hope of what is happening the nightshade I love this part. <laughs> He's like, your human science will not... Oh, shit, what's this? <laughs> oh, fuck, what's happening? <laughs> He's like, your human science, science will... What? Oh, fuck. What the... What the hell? The nightshade. It's... It's... No! And then God... <laughs> Then he falls backwards into the empty pool and literally explodes. <laughs> Shittiest evil god ever. He didn't do anything. He didn't no, get to do he a didn't single fucking thing. jack shit. <laughs> he 
<laughs> his evil reign lasted like two seconds. He hypnotized a few high school students for like a day. He created a biker gang. And then he's, fell he's been back waiting and exploded. Like the eight centuries for this. <laughs> yeah, um, probably should have thought that plan through a little better. Because <laughs> this... This chlorine mixes with the plant matter, and he falls back and he explodes, and sparks just shoot everywhere, and the smoke just flows up to the ceiling, and he's dead. <laughs> if he would have just come back the first time he made the deadly vapors, like... This wouldn't have happened. He probably would be in control of the universe right now, but <laughs> instead he's blown up. <laughs> The kids under the spell all wake up wondering what what fucking happened. And Dean looks at Alex and says, I'm sorry. It was like he had control over me. Yeah. Alex told him that like five times. Yeah, I know. And he had enough sense to like spare her before. So why didn't he just trust his best friend? But stupid. So she says, yeah, I know. But how did you know the chlorine would stop him? Dean says it was on Crenshaw's chemistry exam, which is the most unlikely fucking explanation (sighs) I've ever heard. I, like, audibly groaned when that happened. She taught that mycuric acid mixed with belladonna leaves, a.k.a. nightshade, creates mystic vapors that bring back the dead who can only be destroyed with chlorine. (sighs) That was the exam question. Yeah, so Betty Ann gets shit on for her stories, having happy endings. So she tells the nightly neighbor's story, mm-hmm. where it doesn't have a happy ending, because presumably everyone gets eaten by vampires. No, everybody just gets tired. Everybody gets very, very tired, which yes. is a horrible ending. Yeah. Then her next story, she comes back, or the moral of the story is stay in school, kids? I guess so, yeah. What the hell is she doing? I don't know. I mean, at least Dean learned something, I guess, in chemistry. I don't know. Who knows? He says chlorine kills bacteria and the leaves were organic, so I figured it would zap him. Um, I guess he was right, right? I mean... I guess? I don't fucking know. (laughs) By that logic, I'm organic. If I touch chlorine, I'm gonna explode. Yes, that is why I told you to stay out of pools. (sighs) I want to go swimming so bad, though. No, you'll explode, Corey. <sighs> it's worth it. <laughs> if we don't have an episode of our podcast next week, it's because I exploded. Oh, yeah. Alex laughs at his stupidity, and Dean joins in. She says, yeah, I guess you were, you know, right. Welcome back. Then she gives him a hug, and the two walk out of the room, not giving two fucking shits about all the other kids. <laughs> no. They slumped over like they were dead. Uh, but then they shuffle. I I didn't expect them to actually show the other kids. I thought they were just going to ignore them. But they get up and they shuffle away. As the camera pans over and we're seeing that they also didn't give a shit about that cobra scepter they left there. Out walks Miss Oliver to say, I'm afraid we failed. But I planted jewels in high schools all over the country. We'll have another chance. And to think, when I was a young girl, they thought I was mad. She laughs about it, and then she shows her cobra tattoo to nobody because everybody left the room. And she was the one at the beginning of the episode the whole time who had the fryer basket, and they put the stone in the sewage system of the school. 
she puts the ball back into the Cobra's mouth, even though that should have been fucking sitting in acid and nightshade at the bottom of the pool. The scepter staff's eyes glow red, and that's the end of the episode. Was the doctor the one that Dean was saying a girl went crazy there yes, a long time ago? and that's a ago? problem. Yeah, because at the beginning of the episode, we're clearly shown that she makes it out of the school because her shadow runs across the front of the school. So she made it out. I don't know what he's talking about, where she got stuck in that room and they found her and she went mad. Also, why did she go mad? Because they didn't have the scepter because she said that they just recently excavated out the scepter. Plot holes, Betty Ann, you gotta fix your shit. Talking about this episode has made me like it less than when I watched it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Why... Why high schools? Why does this have to be done through high schools? I don't know. So this episode doesn't have the like a happy ending, I guess. But also, I didn't feel any sense of dread because this plan worked out so terribly and was so easily destroyed this time. What's going to stop it from another just kid being smart enough to pour some fucking chlorine on a fucking Babylonian sorcerer? Like His plans must have been failing for hundreds of years. Well, at least the past 25 when she went across all these schools and put the stones in the sewage system. I mean, this can't be the first attempt that they've made. No. Well, maybe it is if they just recently excavated out the scepter. I don't know. He's been trying this for centuries, and everyone always figures out. The science saves the day every time. But, okay, so he got revived, and he died again immediately. Does that mean that he just goes right back to the infernal dimension of darkness? And they just get to try again? I guess. So there's no loss on their side whatsoever? No. That's ridiculous. He just gets to keep trying until someone... (laughs) Until it fucking works and he gets to rule the universe? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like a video game where he's the good guy and he just gets to keep (laughs) trying when he fails. Cutting back to the Midnight Society, David says he smells a sequel, which, God, I hope not. Seriously. I don't think that there is one. Eric agrees saying, yeah, the world's doomed. And Gary says, well, on that cheerful note, I declare the meeting of the Midnight Society closed. He dumps the water on the fire. All the kids get up and the camera looms at the skull head from the beginning of the episode. And then it's just the episode's over. Yeah, they always have a little chats in the middle of the episode that are totally pointless. Yeah. But as soon as the story's over, they want nothing to do with it. They don't want to discuss nope. it. They're just like, yep, we're yep. out of here. But world's doomed. See ya. Yep. Uh, the tale of the sorcerer's apprentice. Do you think that name was pretty good? I thought it, at least they say it, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> I think we could probably come up with some better names for that, though. I think a more appropriate name would be the tale of the sorcerer's apprentice brought to you by the Canadian Department of Education. <laughs> the tale of the mystic vapors. The tale of the one teacher. <laughs> uh, the tale of lacking school funding. Can we talk about that mystic vapor again real quick, though? Always. Oh, that is... (laughs) High school kids fucking inhaling vapors. That can only correlate to weed, right? (laughs) The whole thing is like an allegory for like, don't mess with drugs, don't be a goth, and focus on your homework because it might just save your life. It's like the tale of the PSA or something. All right, I've had enough of this episode. <laughs> well, let's see what's going on next. The next episode, Brandon, is called The Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. What you think really? that's going to be about? <laughs> yes. Is that really the title? Yeah. Who do you think gives this tale, and what do you think it's going to be about? <sighs> wow. 
Um, it's a tough one. <laughs> Jeez, this sounds like an Eric. Yep, I agree. I think it sounds like an Eric one to me too. We don't even know what Eric says. <laughs> like what his tales are even about. I'm gonna say yeah that a 12 year old boy. Mm-hmm. What do you think his name is? Toby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Toby buys, let's say, a dresser from an antique dealer. Okay. You know, just 12 year olds antique shopping. Yeah, he got all of his lunch money saved up for this dresser. Continue. <laughs> and he comes home and he opens it up. Yeah. And he discovers that there's a leprechaun inside. Mm-hmm. Classic. And yep. the leprechaun demands four leaf clovers. Okay. And he says, if Toby can't find any, then he's going to kill his whole family. <laughs> Oh, that sounds pretty dark. I'm looking forward to seeing if that's what it's about or not, because I don't remember anything about this episode, because I think it was another one where I fucking turned the channel. <laughs> I'm going to say I don't want to judge the episode, but yeah, based on the title, should do that. I judge it to be shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping it's not, because we haven't had a really good episode since, like, uh, the Ghost. for one. We are, we are but um, I don't want to give you any spoilers, but my... One of my favorite episodes is coming up real soon. So, All right. That's exciting. We have things to look forward to. Oh my gosh, Brandon. I've been up all night inhaling mystic vapors. <laughs> I'm, I am so ready for bed. This hydrochloric acid and nightshade just uh, kicks you in the butt. Makes you gotta go to bed. Uh, I'm tired, uh, though. I'm going to bed. <laughs> all, right. all right. Good night. I'll talk to you next week, okay? Yeah. For the tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. Good night. Bye. See you later, guys. Bye. See ya. Is this supposed to be funny?